Hello, everybody. Uh, it is uh, time for the 18th episode of Get the Flick Out of Here. Uh, I am your host, Alex Pulaski. With me, as always, is Kate Elizabeth. Um, I am operating at a deficit today. I'm at the bottom, hopefully the bottom. will be able to work my way back out of the cold from heck. Uh, and it just doesn't seem to want to go away. The symptoms hot back and forth. Woke up this morning with a sore throat that went away after I had some breakfast. It's still all up here. And also, I have this wonderful AM radio DJ voice. I was going to say, is this Welcome Alex Kalowski? Welcome or... to Quiet Storm. <laughs> Alex, you don't sound like yourself, but you don't not sound like yourself you sound like a like a cloned version of yourself alex it's, it's possible that i i sound um, like almost like myself but also like i don't know the more masculine version of myself talks like this it's true maybe he does maybe does better at construction or things like that also when... somewhere somewhere there's a version of myself who's very helpful around the house and likes to cook Yes, more, and, more, more fem, my, my, my feminine side comes out. Maybe that person's out there. Maybe if I have a different kind of cold, that person will show up. Different but who knows? Way. We're talking about multiplicity. We are. Um, last week, uh, Kate got to uh, got to pick her own high concept, <laughs> mid to late '90s comedy featuring a performance that barely keeps it afloat. So I said. Why don't I get to pick one of those? A high concept, mid to late 90s comedy with one performance, technically four performances, that keep the movie afloat and just barely. Um, uh, yeah, this movie stars Michael Keaton. Um, four versions of Michael Keaton, but if you haven't seen it, we'll get to that. Uh, it, I, I saw this in the theaters in 1996 at the age of 17 or whatever. Um, uh, and I was I loved it because I I loved Michael Keaton like Michael Keaton and I I have a very 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 strong relationship with Michael Keaton I'm wearing a T-shirt taking off of, of of his Batman films there he is down there that's that's where Michael Keaton is but it's also taking off of Beetlejuice if you asked twelve to fifteen year old me name your two favorite movies ever made I would say the original. Tim, uh, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman, and Beetlejuice. Pick an order, but those are my those are my two films like that I was like I would watch forever and ever and ever. And I was like, what's what's the common thread? Well, Tim Burton, and it wasn't really about Tim Burton. It was about Michael Keaton because I was like, this guy's amazing. Like I I couldn't I couldn't believe that he was doing both of those things like Beetlejuice and Batman, Bruce Wayne. Um, I was like, this guy's this guy's the greatest actor in the world. I still think he's one of the most underrated actors that we've had in Hollywood in a very, very long time. Um, uh, but uh, I, so as you tell me, oh, hey, here's this crazy comedy where we get to see Tim, uh, Michael, Michael Keaton play four versions of Michael Keaton, uh, sign me up. I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go plunk down my $3 to go see a matinee on a Saturday. Uh, and that's, that's what I did. And uh, I, I, uh, I loved it. Um, and it is one of those things where I, I'm probably over the next 
decade. I probably saw it another three or four more times. Like I would, I would like, oh, you love Michael Keaton? Like I'm finding somebody else who's a Michael Keaton fan among you know my my theater kid friends. I'm like, but you haven't seen Multiplicity? You gotta see Multiplicity. And then we'd sit down and watch it. Um, or it would come on cable, and I'd be like, you know what? This is a good movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and watch you know 40 minutes of this movie. Um, but probably. I probably haven't watched it in like 15 years. Um, but I, I was feeling under the weather. Still am, but back over the weekend. And I said, you know what I need? I need some some comfort food in the form of a movie. Uh, I want to watch this. Also, I happened to find the, my DVD copy of the film in the basement when I was uh, cleaning up the flood that came in. We had torrential downpour. We realize, oh, hey, the seal around one of those basement windows in our house just isn't there anymore. And just like a, a straight, like a fountain of water coming through the thing at us. Uh, so we're going to have to get that resealed. But, you know, when you're sick, uh, cleaning up a flooding basement is not the thing you <laughs> want to be doing. So I happened to be moving boxes away from the onslaught of, of water and came across uh, a, this DVD of Multiplicity. I took a picture of it. I said, Kate, we're watching this. I said it to you, and I said, this is what we're watching. Um, and, and I said, and buddy, I, I chose Blast from the Past last <laughs> week. You, We get to do whatever you want this week. I, uh, I, um, I, I, uh, I, it's one of those things where it, 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 I feel a little sad because it's not as good as I remember it. And the reason is because it had been 15 years, I only remembered the good parts. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things because I because I, I love Michael Keaton so much. Um, I, I remember a lot of the stuff that happened with it, but there's a lot of other stuff peripherally that I just completely forgot about. I was like, oh, well, this, this does drag the movie down. Uh, the budget was 45 million and it only made 21 million at the box office. It was a huge bomb. It came out during the height of the 1986 Summer Olympics. And people were at home watching Carrie Strug break her ankle. Um, so, like, they, you know, oh, there was also, like, the, the Atlanta, the, the Olympic bombing. Everyone's sitting at home watching CNN, watching, figure out what the hell's going on with that. Like, nobody's at the movies, except for it came out right between Independence Day and The Nutty Professor. So if you're going to the movies, if you happen to be going to the movies, I mean, the Olympics are happening, but you don't want to watch rhythmic gymnastics or whatever, you're saying to yourself, I'm going to go to the movies. What am I going to see? Independence Day, Nutty Professor, or multiplication tables? I hate math. I'm not going to see that. I don't like math. So so it was really put in a really bad place. And I often, I often I, I, I've been wondering, like, if they had just released it in, I don't know, old october or april like it would it would it have done better and be have, have been seen by more people i feel like this is a movie that if more people saw it it would have more of a history to it because the artistry with which they made the film especially for the time period it came out was basically seamless like we'll talk about it but like the uh harold ramus who directed um Groundhog Day and was Egon in the Ghostbusters uh, directs this and you have to have such a deft touch to be able to direct 
all this, the scenes, like in some cases, four different times, the same scene to place everybody where they need to be. Cause at one point, like they're all sitting on the same couch. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that with like, like, I know like split screen, but how do you split four different ways? Like it's all green screen stuff, but it's really, really well done for the, for the time period. And uh, the, so they, the, obviously that's what the budget was for. Cause you had to film everything four times. There's no special effects except for how do we put four Michael Keaton's on the, on screen at the same time? There's, you know, it, and so the one special effect is the movie. So it's like, it's not like, um, it's not like, oh, we use CGI to make this explosion look cool. Like it's so, it's so integrated into the actual story of the movie that it's not like enhancement effects. It's the story of the movie is the special effect. So it has to work. All four of them sitting on the couch has to look like all four of them are sitting on the couch and not right. four guys in different shots were sitting on right. the couch. And I also think Michael Keaton, to your point, uh, deserves a ton of credit for making all four of these um, versions of himself feel like different versions of himself. Right. But like, like that's a really tricky thing because you have to have the same fundamental base of the guy with these deviations, right? So to strike that balance, I mean, to strike that balance three times and then there's one that is just out to lunch all the time mentally, which is a fun, completely different performance, um, I, I think is an impressive feat. And unlike Blast from the Past last week, I think it has way more legs because of the differentiation we get, whereas Brendan Fraser was one dude who um, who was able to, as you were saying, he was like bobbing up to the surface, making it good, and then would get dragged down. Like because of what this was, he ate up way more oxygen in this movie, and I think it was a, a much better watch because of that. There is no scene in which Michael Keaton does not appear in this movie. Yeah. He not there is not there's not a scene between his wife and his coworker or like that never his happened. Wife and his kids without him isn't a thing. Yeah, he's he has to carry literally every scene. At least one version of him has some has sometimes he has to carry a scene having a conversation with himself and himself and himself. I mean. Like as like as a guy who trained acting for a while, I can't even imagine how to how you would like that would take so much time to like recognize. Okay, so when I when I did this this morning as Michael Keaton one, this is how it was said. So Michael Keaton two will react in this way to what was said. If you react in the wrong way, if you're not listening specifically to the recording of yourself saying the first thing then your reaction could be all wrong. The tone of it, all that kind of stuff, the way that you react physically to the thing that somebody said. It's all, everything about acting, especially on film, is in the moment reacting to what has just been said to you. If what has just been said to you has been said to you, by you, but recorded seven hours ago, I, like that's just crazy. Like it's a, it's a friggin' magic trick how he's able to do so well in this film. And on top of that, to me, what's so impressive is um, it's not like 
he's a completely different version or the completely same version of himself to yeah. to map. So it's not like, oh, I'm reacting under this completely different set of circumstances of who I am or these exact same circumstances of who I am. It's one foot in each world. So to make that translate, I feel like is just the, the wackiest challenge of all of like, this is me, but I have all these other traits that I have to incorporate, but I have the same knowledge and history as this other guy. Like, that is a wild acting challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. And I think that that um, that in order to make it, I think actually easier is you make these characters um, diverge in increasingly stereotypical ways. Yeah, I think that might be where the film loses a little bit of things because in order for also for the audience to be like, I know which one that is. Yes. Like there are four of them. I know which one that is. That one is the blank one. And it, because you can just like compartmentalize into certain things, that makes it easier for the audience to get. I would actually love to see it where it was like there were much closer to number one, all all four of them, because then it would be like it would be harder to to see. You could see the nuances of like how. Oh, no, no, no. I'm exactly who you are, except while you were over there golfing, this thing happened to me, which changed my trajectory and how I view the world as opposed to, okay, so I'm, I'm super macho. That one's probably gay. And that one, well, he's basically a three-year-old. And so like, we'll, we'll talk more about how this whole thing works, but it, it, it's, it becomes a little bit um, more pat to be able just to sit there and, and go, I, these are all stereotypes. We can move on from there. Although he plays all of them with a kind of uh, honest honesty and nuance, and it doesn't feel like a stereotype, even though the movie says this is a stereotype. When Keaton plays it, it doesn't feel like it is, and that's really interesting. There is a sincerity there, and I agree with you in that we only see, we only get to see the graduation of someone leaning more stereotypical with clone number two, right. um, or with the first clone with character number two um like we kind of see him start to deviate and that it takes a hard turn into the direction of macho dude but we don't really get right why um it, it does feel like it would be cool if he was more like like a like a tofu clone where he was picking up like if we saw him on the construction site picking up this yes. macho like, behavior or whatever, but they it just kind of spits out these these archetypes to to your point. <laughs> like a tofu clone. Yeah. I think that that's a fantastic way of putting it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, by the way, don't be alarmed. I have here a strawberry banana smoothie with extra vitamin C that I'm just trying to uh, ingest throughout the whole thing. In case you it. see a, a wayward straw enter my mouth. I have this gallon of water. That I'm trying to work keep, my way through. Keep chugging. It says keep chugging. It does. I uh, I named her Galene because yeah. she's like this whole other entity, mm -hmm. and she's a gallon um, of water. So here we go. Um, his name is Doug, and the first time we see him, he pulls up to a job site because he is a construction foreman. Now. I had forgotten a lot of the details about uh, his work life. I thought he owned his own um, contracting company. You know, he works for a contractor, 
as a foreman, as a, one of several foremen who work for him, um, who, who manages job sites. He should have been a job site. And Eugene Levy, who we've talked about in Stay Tuned and is always delightful and everything, uh, but also plays the same character in all the 90s movies, except for American Pie. But, uh, but he's basically the same character in this that he was in Stay Tuned, which is just a sleazy dude who smokes cigars. And that's fine because he's really good at it. And I won't, I, won't, I won't judge him for it. It's so funny that in, because he's in that like Christopher Guest troupe of all yeah. the documentaries, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he is so different and weird in every one of those that for him to be typecast as this, which isn't at all what you see in Waiting for Government or Best in Show, is like, that is just a credit to, to Eugene Levy, I feel like. Yeah, but this this was a very funny beginning to the movie. And I was like, wow, he really was the side character in a lot of <laughs> little yeah. wacky movies. Uh, but he shows up, he's, uh, he's like, because uh, Eugene Levy is apparently managing the job site while uh, Michael Keaton is away. So Doug, Doug Kinney shows up and he says, hey, Vic, what's going on? You know, hey, we uh, demoed the driveway. Yeah, you did. Did a good job of it too. Problem is, it's the wrong driveway. <laughs> And then Michael Keaton gets to do his great, like, very exasperated Kermit arms. And I love <laughs> that, that he does so much. Uh, and he gets to say, um, "It's it's it, you demoed the neighbor's driveway. It's supposed to be that one, not this one." Um, and so he's very mad at him, but he says he'll he'll eat all the cost uh, because you know Vic. He's I'm very short on cash right now. I, I can't I can't take this hit. Um, so he's going to make sure it all works. And he gets in trouble with the guy who owns the. Doug does because Doug wasn't there because Doug is managing at least two, maybe three different job sites. So he wasn't there to be able to tell Vic who's an idiot, not to demo this driveway. You got to demo that driveway. Well, Alex, um, it's not like he can be in two places at once. See, the whole thing is that he, he wanted to be, but he had to work. He has to work late. So he, he, when he gets home, um, the, he's got two kids, Zach Jennifer, I want to say Zach is the older and Jennifer is the younger. Just like um, the whitest '90s names. Just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and so that his his wife uh, Laura, played by Andy McDowell, long suffering wife, who um, stay at home mom, and uh, and he gets in trouble for for missing his daughter's recital, graduation from Campfire Girls. That's what it is. Um, and. Uh, and he's he's he he feels bad about it, but like if he didn't work late, he would have been fired. Like a different guy who got fired, uh, who who was like his coworker, like basically the same level as him, got fired for doing shoddy work. Uh, and hey, good for you, Doug Kinney. You get to manage all of his job projects now as well, but you don't get a bump in pay. No. You're just you're just you're just spreading spreading you even thinner, um, and you'll see even less of your family. Ugh, the uh, man, am I right? No, you can't you can't get away from the man is keeping him down. It was at this point in the movie that I was like, um, I feel like go look for a job at a different construction company. <laughs> mm. I mean, if your options are. Undergo, undergo a very experimental cloning procedure or 
start sending out your resume to other contracting companies, I would go with the latter, but that's just yeah. me. Um, he, uh, he's got, he's got a guy who he works with played by, uh, John Delancey, who people, um, might, might know as uh, Q from Star Trek, the next generation. Um, and he's, uh, a, a, like a kiss ass and a, a smarmy guy who, um, who likes to make sure that, uh, that Doug keeps, uh, it, you know, is, is not looked at by Dell who owns the whole thing. The guy who owns the whole thing as, as the top guy, cause Ted, Ted wants to be that. Um, so there's My that favorite little line in this little exchanges, you know, where I used to work, they said, if you're not coming in on Saturday, don't bother coming in on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, Ted work like balance, Ted. No, he doesn't have one. Cause I'm sure Ted doesn't have a kid or a or club wife, or a club. <laughs> um, but, uh, so but I love, there was a scene I really loved that like after everybody had gone to bed uh doug does the thing that that men do in the 1990s which is he hooks up the camcorder to the tv and watches the home movie of his little girl graduating from campfire girls and it's very it's very affecting to like watch him realize that he missed it and it was less it's a big moment for her even though in the grand scheme of things it's really nothing but like for his daughter, it was a huge thing and he promised he would be there and he wasn't able to be there and he feels really bad about it. And I think that it, that this scene is necessary to show why he has to do the cloning thing, at least why he believes it is, because he's missing everything. Like he's missing his little girl growing up. And as a guy who's got a little girl, like that, I I, I can only imagine what that, what that would feel like to those things, you knowing that. You're letting them down, all kind of stuff. I, I I get all that, and he obviously really loves his wife, Andy McDowell. Um, they have a very good relationship, uh, even though you know she's disappointed that he's not able to be there, but she understands that like that's otherwise they don't have a house, you know. Um, and I I thought this was all very very good, but he he goes uh, to manage a a job site in Malibu, where. Um, where they are working on a science place, I don't know, a research institute, I guess. Um, and uh, the whole thing goes completely kaput. Like uh, the job is way, um, uh, way behind schedule. And he goes into the basement because there's a huge plumbing leak. And he's like, what are you doing? Come on, I'll fix it. And he makes it worse. And so he gets very, very angry. He, Doug, Doug has uh, anger issues. He um, he, well, he's very, very stressed all the time. In fact, yeah. I also, so Andy McDowell gets contacted by a former friend about um, going back to work. That's right. Too. Um, and she was like, I think it's doable if you can help out when there's an emergency. And he very dramatically says, my whole life is an emergency. And then he apologizes for flying off the handle, but he is constantly stressed, as we learn here in this scene as well. He's flying off the handle at home. Here he is on the job, just so stressed out. Like, I would just start looking for, especially early 90s, the economy was all right. Like, he could have found a job at a different place. Um. Yes. So they say he's been doing, he's been a foreman for 10 years, which means, like, you know, he's got 
he's got he would have options. There's not one construction company in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, of all places. <laughs> yeah. But um. Uh. So anyway, yeah. The, so yeah, I forgot this. That scene happens bef before I thought it did, where uh, she was contacted uh, by somebody she used to work with to go back into the real estate business because that's what she was doing before they had kids. And they always said when the kids were in school, she'd get to go back to work. But apparently uh, that's, you know, not, not possible because of all the extracurriculars, I guess the kids have, uh, they all have to be picked up at three and taken places, whatever. I, I'm sure I'll be doing a lot of that soon myself. Oh my God, we're going to need to clone you. We're going to have to do that. We're going to so, have NXT, Alex. We're going <laughs> to... And they'll be wildly yes, divergent. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, so... So he, he loses it and smashes a whole bunch of scaffolding with a hammer because he's so angry about the plumbing problem. And the plumbing also... I, I love this little detail. The plumbing flood destroyed all the blueprints you know it's 1995 that shit's not on a tablet of course like it's all printed out and uh and so he's trying to dry them out and they just disintegrated his hands he's so angry and so this this uh kindly old man walks up to him played by harris ulin a very great comedic uh, character actor uh and he says um maybe i can help uh, I don't know what you think. Uh, was what do you what do you what do you do for fun? Uh, I like to golf. I haven't uh, done that in uh, ever. I've never I never get to do that. Um, well, I can help you. I, I have I, I can help you. I have time. Um, and he explains to him that he has. Uh, he he can. Here's my number. You call me. I can give you time or whatever. Whatever you know. And so we smash cut to Doug in his office. So apparently this is a, a different day. He's wearing a different outfit. And so he's there. So it was, uh, that was kind of confusing to me. But he, uh, he's laying there like he's on a psychiatrist's couch. And he's, he's going through all his problems. He says, I don't know. Does that sound crazy? I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. <laughs> and I thought that was a good thing. Like, oh, wait a minute, what do you do? Because earlier when he was talking to Andy McDowell, they had said, like, we don't need more time. We need a miracle or something. Mm -hmm. And then this scientist research guy just very vaguely says that he creates miracles. That's right. So, like, the vagueness of not going what's on paired with this, like, I'm at a psychiatrist's office and he's not a psychiatrist, I thought was actually really cute and fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he says, uh, I, uh, I, I create clones. First, I cloned, um, uh, I don't know what it was, a tadpole or something. And then I cloned a bug. God bless you, sir, he says. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, I cloned a rat and then finally a chimp. And uh, um, and then in walks another Harris Eulen, who's like wearing a, 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 a <laughs> who's, who's wearing a, a, um, a, a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses shorts like he's been out at the beach and this proves to michael keaton that apparently this works and uh how much would uh how much would that cost and they never ever bring that up like they never answer that question i if, if money is so tight and he's always got to be working 
how much does it cost? I thought I, I, for some reason I remember it being like, oh no, but I need to run this experiment on as many people as possible so I can have as many like case studies as possible. So I, when I present this to the government to like solve everything, um, then they'll, we'll have this, here's the other thing. If you can, if you can clone anything from like an amoeba to a human, like could we clone enough things that people could eat all over the world? Or is it, is it just so Doug can golf while Doug two goes to work and Doug three takes the kids to soccer practice? Is that really the thing we need to be doing? I think it, it was kind of a funny thing that like, what a, what a wonderful, like rich white guy thing to do. Like, well, this way I could go to the beach while I, while I take a meeting with a potential client. We're not going to solve any actual no. problems. Heavens forbid. We're just going to we're just going to solve my problems and only my problems and that'll that'll be that'll be it. This was a very well, this was a very white movie too. I don't think there was mm. a single <laughs> There was one guy who worked who worked on um there was one guy who worked on uh Doug's construction crew who was like the assistant foreman. Right. Was guy. And that's about it. That's it. So that was something that I kind of had forgiveness around of like, if they're in the case study phase, maybe, you know, we're not seeing what this is going to be used for, for the greater good part of it. My bigger issue was Doug just not being nearly skeptical enough before deciding to do this, <laughs> evaluating no other solutions to the problem that they right. have and very easily being persuaded um to to get cloned yeah i i i guess i remembered it being free because i thought maybe that would persuade doug to do it well if i don't have to pay for it yeah let's give it a shot but they seem to be saying that like it actually costs money but anyway well, and by the um, time we get to Doug number four, yeah. they say we got a deal on. <laughs> we got a deal on him. Um, so anyway, um, so they do the whole process. Um, there's, by the way, there's lab assistants. At least three of them that are identical. They actually got triplets. I think that's really cool. So they got triplets to play three different lab assistants. So which also further proves that they've done this many times. Right. Um, and so he goes under for the procedure, which the procedure could not be more mid nineties, like bullshit science possible. Like let's create a mold of your face. Oops, a clone. <laughs> like, I don't think that's all. Like he says, I'm a geneticist. No, genetics would mean that we would take your blood. We would, we would extract the DNA and we would create a, a clone of you that would then have to grow. We could create baby Doug. We could do we could create an embryo that is your genetic clone. It is and then that embryo would have to gestate, be born, and grow to by the time you are a grandfather, you will have a man who is your own uh your own, your age now. No, it's just a straight up carbon copy of you to I don't know how you're gonna have to do more to explain how that science might work. Also a geneticist that somehow managed to also transfer the life experiences of Doug. Yes. 
Yeah, it's because because yes, all that stuff the same thing. It's a bit, yeah. Um, so when you when you when you come out, you'll have all you have all the same memories and life experiences up until the point you got cloned, and then anything else is different. So I did like the the little thing of um, so he's, he's like, hey, so Doc, he comes out, he comes out out of the you know the, from under the anesthesia, and he's like, hey, Doc, uh, so uh, uh, did it work? And he sits up, and there's another Michael Keaton. He's go, wow, it worked. You're my clone. No, 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 you're my clone. And so I, I like that they're like, like they have this whole thing of like, you know, they're so identical, they don't even recognize which one's the clone. But written behind his ear is the number two, um, which I, I mean, I guess it's behind your ear, but I don't know. Maybe if you're like standing behind somebody, like, hey, it's a weird tattoo. Why are you number two? I don't know what it's like. But anyway, um, this is the beginning of the whole thing where um, Doug number two is going to go to work, do all the construction stuff, and uh, Doug number one can take the kids to do stuff. Like he he's uh, he's at the kids uh, he's at Zach's football game, and uh, and he winds up being Zach's football coach for that game and that game only. Because the coach, the coach quits. It's like I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. You do it. And then later because we see Zach say, "He, Zach was our coach. We did great. We actually scored." And and that's and that's it. Like it's not like he's the the coach for the rest of the season. I don't know what happens after that. But it was a it was a cute little scene, I suppose. The coach was also very. Everybody is extremely stressed in this movie. The coach, oh, who's okay. also a lawyer doesn't need this um i do want to circle back because i think it's important to note too that that alternate doug lives in their like above their garage which feels like a dumb and risky move um in case andy mcdowell ever had to go up there for anything or would see him leave the house but they do have this really funny scene <laughs> they do michael keaton with himself has um this very funny moment where they kind of delineate who's gonna do what and they're like and we're gonna crush ted the guy at work and they yes. just bump. they're like yeah we're gonna crush ted <laughs> they like chest bump which is adorable um so i i don't know i thought that was really really fun but i do think it was very stupid to have um doug number two just living on the premises yeah it would be one thing if they like i don't know if they had a, a, a nearby hotel he could stay at or something, yeah, you know? Or well, I guess that would cost a bunch of money. Doug could stay with a friend. Like, there's so many other possible options, but the idea that he would be leaving in the morning and coming back and nobody would notice. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, the 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 in-law suite that is above the the um, the garage, because while, while looking for a... For houses uh a few months ago i learned that's the terminology for that when there's like a, a basement apartment with a kitchenette in there or whatever or above the garage that's called a mother-in-law suite which is like it was so great because like your my, my mother-in-law has to move in we're putting her out above the garage <laughs> like it's just a wonderful old timey like honeymooners type thing to do to your mother-in-law um but um so yeah so th they 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 say like 
that they show it, there's like just just crap everywhere. They're not even actually using it as anything. It's just storage, and it's all um, Michael Keaton's old stuff. Like it's this. It's like, hey, I found this old leather jacket. I love this jacket. What happened? I had I had no idea this jacket was even up here. He puts it on. It becomes like number two's jacket, which I thought was a kind of way of also cool delineate who was who. Um, so we we, we see. Um, Doug is out golfing, um, and he can't um, he can't keep golfing because the wife calls Doug too at the job site and says you need to leave the job site and go pick up your daughter from school because she's got to go home, change into her ballerina outfit, and go to ballet to get ballet pictures done. Um, but he can't leave the job site because that he can't leave the job site. It's like this is a very important thing that's happened. Vic, Eugene Levy showed up late with all the concrete to pour. And so he, we, he can't leave the job site, but he's got to leave the job site. So he calls Doug one to go pick up the daughter from school and get her to ballet pictures by 430. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, the dad. Like, I question how much Doug One ever did anything around the house, Correct. like, ever, because he is at a loss on how to dress his own daughter. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I I, don't think he ever did any, like, even when, like, the kid was a baby, I think he did nothing. I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think he did anything. I think he was never a good father. I did think he, you're a bad father. That's what I, that's what I think. <laughs> I also feel like if Doug can't get more assistance to help out with his workload to the point where he needs to be cloned, can you maybe get somebody more competent than, say, a Eugene Levy who keeps screwing up to the point where he can't even leave the site for like a minute to yeah. to go pick up his daughter? But yeah, the the archetype of the the super mom um, and the I mean, the dad who just does nothing, as you pointed it's, out, yes, is, um, is something that I'm glad died out. Yeah, like post kind of this era, I feel like right. everybody got like very sick of it. Yeah, she just says, um, "Put her in the in the outfit I laid out. Moose her hair. She'll show you how." Also, that kid was no help in showing him how to moose her hair. No, no. Like, I, I, I honestly like. I think he was hoping for a little bit more assistance with with the moosing. And that just didn't happen. No. Um, uh, also, we, nobody mooses their hair anymore. That's also a really fun, like, 90s thing, I think. Yeah. Um, so they get all the way and to um, to the uh, to the ballet studio to do pictures and are told, oh, no, did nobody tell you? The pictures are moved, been moved to tomorrow. And like, no, we're not doing it tomorrow. I'm here now with the kid to the picture. Get a photographer down here right now. Uh, so we also, we have, well, Doug one is on the golf course, Doug two calling him. Right. I thought was a fun scene because even Doug two on the phone with Andy McDowell is like, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it all. I got it all. Like, it just doesn't care at all. And he calls Doug one and is like, you gotta go pick up your kids and something about pictures. Like it was just, we start to see the the deviation yep. here of Doug yep. two leading into this like macho side. 
And also Doug one getting the phone call while he's at the top of his backswing for the first time ever being able to golf was just like a very um, 90s classic but fun thing. I thought that was yeah. a really cute, a really cute detail. The other thing that, that now we, we, we cut to, oh, the reason why Andy McDowell says you got to pick up the kids is that I, I, I have to stay late at work doing real estate. Because once he has the clone, he tells her, go ahead, go back to work. It'll be great. Have fun. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So she's at work showing a house. So that's why she can't get away to pick up the kid. But later, they're at a fancy restaurant to have a romantic dinner together. Um, and uh, I, I wondered, who's babysitting the children? Yeah. I guess... I mean, like, if you could get somebody to babysit the kids, that just do that more often. Like, if you have somebody, like, do you trust the, the person to pick up the child? I mean, I don't. Is it a family friend? Is it just somebody you know from the neighborhood? If the there are many times where they are away from the children, and I don't know what the children are doing, and it does it does feel like a lot That's a lot about a full time yeah. babysitter would probably solve. Solve not needing to to right. clone an entire person. Right. If if your nanny costs more than cloning yourself, I think the nanny's charging too much. Yeah, but and you now have a second income with Andy right. McDowell bringing in money. There you go. Um, anyway, she says, oh, "I'm sorry. You know, I was with this couple who can only see it, see this the houses after five, and they always want to keep some of the same the same house. I'm so sorry." And my Mike Keaton's like, hey, anyway, so you got to quit your job because uh, I I was I was prevented from playing golf once, so you have to quit your job and go back to come back home. And I'm like, I really want to root for you, Michael Keaton, but sometimes you're such a dick. I was prevented from playing golf once earlier today, and now you have to quit your job and being a real estate agent and come back home. Is not the thing that I think there should needed to be have been more things compounding for him to like go yeah. completely nuclear and say blow the whole thing up you're coming back home i get like the it felt like there was an extra half hour of this movie that got left on the cutting room floor or something yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look there was no this was a very jarring left turn i would say i forgot all about the scene where Michael Keaton 2 is at the office at six in the morning, getting everything ready for the for the whole day. Killing it. And um, and everyone's like, hey, conference room, five minutes. Let's get let's get everything ready to go so we know what we're doing today. And he's like leading everything. And uh Dell, uh, the, the owner's like, find out what he had for breakfast, um, and all that kind of stuff. And then Michael Keaton one shows up. Now this is the other thing. <laughs> we don't. We didn't know which one was which because we're early enough in the movie. We didn't know. We thought Michael Keaton one was at work getting a head start because now he's got more time. Um, Michael Keaton one shows up and uh, the office manager lady Noreen is like, "Wait, didn't I thought you were in the conference room? No, I would be. Am I in the conference room? Like cause there's this <laughs> really great moment of of him recognizing, holy shit, my clone is here. What do I do about that? Um, he's able to smooth everything out in a certain way, in a funny way. Hey, yeah, I am wearing a different shirt. You know why? Because I spilled coffee on it. And that's, I I, I, I have a different shirt, you know, in, in my truck, just in case, you know, I spill coffee on it. And that's what I did. I went out, 
I changed my shirt, but I'm going to go back out to my truck now. You won't see me again, except for in the original shirt, which I had cleaned, and that's totally fine now. She also fills in a gap for him. This was so subtle and fun, but she fills in this gap for him and is like, well, I was in the bathroom, and he goes, perfect. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like, adorably yeah. done. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway, that is... Um, and so then he, he he actually is able to talk, call number two on the phone. And number two is like, no, I've done everything. I I, I went to all. I'm I'm going to the to the Palisades thing. I'm going to the Hollywood thing. I'm doing. I already did Malibu. Like I did all the stuff. So what am I supposed to do? I don't know, man. Live it up. That's isn't that why you got me to do all this stuff? Um, Doug two and, is so perfectly dismissive too. He's just like, yeah, I, yeah no, I already did it. All right. I don't know. Like he's, he's perfectly like just dismissing everybody else's concerns. He's yeah. laser focused on getting the work done. Um. So, anyway, that's why he thinks he can go golfing, and he really wants to go golfing. He can't go golfing once, as we've discussed. So then he says to your to his wife, "Sorry, you gotta go back. Gotta go back, back home." Um. So she's really pissed at him for pulling this on her sabotaging their awesome date night they were going to have. And this is when Michael Keaton 1 looks over and sees Michael Keaton 2 on a date with the office manager lady, Noreen. (laughs) (laughs) Because I guess Michael Keaton 2 has needs and they can't be fulfilled by Andy McDowell because that would be like cheating. Very clearly it was laid out that Doug 2 does not have marital relations yeah. with Andy McDowell in this. Um, so he's 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 there at this. Like, this is the thing is like it's so funny because this is a side of Michael Keaton, and if this person was always inside the original Michael Keaton, that dude's a bad dude because he was <laughs> like, yeah, you know, uh, we're gonna get divorced, we're separated. I've been staying in the guest house for a month. It is is terrible. I, I I don't I don't gonna I don't I'm gonna do uh, it's, it's terrible. So, do you want to go to my place? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Um, so they have to run into each other and yell each other about everything. Uh, both Michael Keaton's, and then they wind up having to switch, which nothing's ever actually explained about, like how Michael Keaton one avoids sleeping with the office manager lady. Like it's just this weird thing. Like I'll drop you off and I'll leave. That that scene's never there. But he he winds up uh, back at, at at the house and um, uh, talking to the to the um, he he winds up having to lecture Michael Keaton too about this is we can't do this you can't go to the same restaurants that I go to that's not a thing we can't do that anymore also in the restaurant we do get a little bit he's like what are you doing here it's my favorite restaurant and he goes mine too right <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Lance is like uh, Lance he calls himself Lance later. The Number two is always uh, busy at work. So he he goes up to the thing. It's like um, he starts talking to the guy who's sitting there watching TV, drinking a beer in his underwear, as you do. He says number two, uh, I'd like you to be three. And then walks in a third one. And Michael Keaton does the very best double takes of anybody on the planet. He's like, he's just sitting there. 
drinking his beer. I ain't doing. Like it's just <laughs> the greatest. Like he does the greatest double takes. I love Michael Keaton so much. Like, are you nuts? Are you like mentally nuts? Which is a wonderful way to put phrase. Mentally nuts is. A, I don't know how else sure. you'd be nuts. But uh, it's like, no, 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 it's great. He's going to ha- help around the house, and you can go to work, and then I can do whatever I wanted to. Because that's the most important thing. Me. Me is most important, says Doug Kinney. What a great dude. Um, <laughs> but it, it is, it is the thing about it is, is that you could say, as soon as the first clone came out of Michael Keaton, they were the same guy. And then over yeah. the course of several weeks, he got more and more macho kind of a dude. Um, as soon as clone number two, meaning Michael Keaton number three, came out of Michael Keaton, he was a completely different person. Yeah. Like, I think that I think this is actually very good for everybody. I do. Um, he's just, he's, he's, I, I tried to equate it uh, as Felix and Oscar from The Odd Couple. Like, this guy is an absolute Felix. He's not gay. He's just more feminine side. He likes to cook and clean and all this kind of stuff. Very fastidious, um, but that is. But he's completely different from from Doug in in every way possible, like personality wise. No scene saying, "Hey, can you make this guy?" Like there, we don't see him get cloned, so we don't see like, "Hey, uh, geneticist who <laughs> doesn't use genealogy." To- create clones uh can you program him to be this way because again they're exactly the same up until this point right so right hypothetically this third one should actually be closer to the the macho guy right macho doug right um he's it, the opposite. It, is, it would be interesting is like like so i need i need another one to help me out around the house help help laura help with the kids help with the cooking and cleaning and then geneticist guy gets it into his head to slightly alter the genetic code to, to change his personality. Because I will help you by doing that. I have this idea. Oh, great. And that's why the one that comes out, it's completely different than the other ones because he switched slightly the genetic code to alter his personality. That would explain everything and make everything so much better. But of course, they didn't do that. Yeah. But this is where you start to have Three Michael Keatons in scenes at all times. It's all over the place. Um, it's also where the whole thing starts to, to fall apart for Andy McDowell. Um, and where and where I think that uh, the, the script kind of needs something else because she starts to look really stupid. And it's not her fault. It's, it's the situation and her not questioning it enough. Like at some point later, she's like, "Weren't you wearing a different shirt?" And it's like, oh, I'm, "I'm losing it." And then she was like, "But she should be." I was like, "Also, aren't you an entirely different person than you were five minutes ago?" Like she should have her husband committed. Like she, he's he's completely different, and so her having to ignore that a lot. Also. Um, uh, you know, it's it, it, it doesn't make it, it makes her seem kind of like off as well. Um, and it that doesn't they're both the pretty dumb. Like yeah. he just willingly signed up to be cloned without really questioning anything. She's just willingly accepting that like he's in a weird mood today all the time. Right. 
But we do get the scene that you're talking about, which I loved of, weren't you wearing a different sh shirt? And she does at least say like, I'm losing it or whatever. And then Zach, their son walks in and is doing something with a yo-yo, I think. Yeah. And he was like, I'll teach you how to do like the walk the dog trick. And he was like, you just showed me that before dinner. And he was like, of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So we're just swapping dogs all over the place. But you're right. And that it loses. It can't be contained anymore at this mm -hmm. point, I think. Um. So there's there's more, you know, just hijinks and stuff and and and. Uh, the, the nice clone three. It's like, you take some time for you. I'll drop the kids off at school. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but then uh, Michael Keaton plays like so authentically. Yes. Like, this is not a parody of an effeminate guy or right. someone that you would like assume is gay. Like, he plays it super like this is a guy who um, these traits are forward on. And it's right. completely opposite to the last one. Like he does a really, really, really good job with this. Right. And I wonder how much of the audience that did see this film in 1996 goes, man, that guy is so gay. Oh, of course. You know oh, what I mean? Course. And I feel like that's yeah. the problem is that like, I think it is very nuanced, but it would read to an audience in the mid nineties as just like way out there, which is unfortunate. Um, which they compound uh, by him not having a problem with not sleeping with Andy McDowell too. Right, right. Like, he, I mean, he does, but that's the problem. Oh, so here we go. Um, uh, here's the rule. The rule is, rule number one: you never. It was by hey, Laura is off limits. No, can't do it. Um, and uh, so they're, they're like, okay, uh, yeah. That makes perfect sense, you know, that be you loud and clear. Um, but one night, and I can't remember what song it was playing, but it was like so perfectly picked as, as the song that was playing, way too loud, coming from a stereo system in the in-law suite, and it wakes up Doug and he goes out. And the fact the fact that I I mean, I I love that these two scenes are the same scene. The first scene is he goes out there and number two is like grinding on some, you know, chick they met at the bar. Um, and and number three is sitting on the couch, like having to bite a blanket because he's so horny, I guess. But not doing anything with his girl who's sitting right next to him. No. Um, and because, because Laura's off limits, they had to go find their own girls. But then the other, Doug, the first one comes in and says, what are you doing? What's going on? And the girls are go, oh my God, there's another one? <laughs> and uh, so he's like, he breaks up the party. Sorry, girls, you got to go, leave. Um, and they don't want to go, so they make a fuss about it. But they finally go. And so he is like, you can't do this kind of stuff. What's going on? Like, uh, what's this? Um, like, uh, Lance, Rico, buy Lance, Rico. Wait, Lance and Rico? Let me guess. Your Rico pointing to the to the to the macho ones. I guess again, buddy. <laughs> so, I just love that that he calls himself Rico, the the third one, the effeminate one. Um, uh, so Doug has finished giving them a lecture, and then he notices in the back of the room another Michael Keaton, who's because when when they 
when they come out of the cloning process, obviously they're nude, and they're given the same set of clothes every time to go home in, which is a pair of like simple uh, tan khakis and a button-down shirt, um, and uh, and it's perfect for um, for uh, for Lance and Rico. But this other guy, he's it's got stains all over it. Half it's tucked in. It's buttoned wrong. Um, and, uh, he is, um, he's, he's special. Let's just say that there's a different word they would have used for it back in the day. Not going to use that word. Um, the thing and they didn't it, use that word either. No, they didn't use that word either, which is very good. Um, and the reason they say this is because they went to Dr. Leeds, that's his name. And they got a clone made from two, but because you make a copy of a copy, it's not as sharp as, you know, the original. Which I think is a wonderful line that explains the whole thing. Because that makes, I mean, you make a copy of a copy, it's not going to look as nice as the original. Yeah, like I'm a cool. copier, if you remember copiers. Right, right exactly. But, which is a big thing. Um, so, says, uh, Leeds loved it. He thought it was very experimental. So, like, this is, this is a test subject. This is why they got a great deal on him. Um, and, and this is, a, this is the way that they can, they can, you know, help with their like, okay, so this is, a, this, we never done this before. We never cloned a clone. Let's see what happens. Turns out, don't do that. That was the yeah. perfect option. Perfect, perfect evidence. Don't do that. So, um, so he's, he is licking a slice of pizza and he, he says, hello, Steve. That's what he, that's what he calls Doug. Number one, he calls him Steve. Um, and so uh, it's like, well, don't worry, we'll, we'll take care of him. It'll be fine. He'll he'll help he'll help around whenever he can. Of course, number four never helps anybody do anything because he's not there. He's, he's, he's got the mind of a three year old. Um, and uh, and there's a there's a great scene where where Doug one comes up into the thing and they're all shaving. Um, but number four has shaving cream all over his face. Uh, it's like, is, is it safe to let him do that? No, don't worry. We took the blade out. And as soon as they say that, he starts shaving his tongue, which I just thought was a really, really fun way to like just put. And and again, I cannot stress this enough. This is where we start to see four Michael Keatons on same screen at the same time. And it always seems to me, you can tell there's some kind of, you know, green screen technology from the mid 90s. But it, but the acting is always seamless. They're having conversations with themselves, like like it's it's hard to do that with two, let alone four. Yeah, and it doesn't take you out of it either, which I think is the goal. I also appreciated that the OG Doug, original Doug, Doug was like, "All right, there were two rules: no sleeping with my wife, and no more Dougs. No more Dougs." We're done with Doug. Um, so uh um, Doug decides with his free time he's gonna learn how to go sailing. And he meets um Brian Doyle Murray, who runs a little thing like I'll teach you how to sail type of thing at the at the marina. Um Brian Doyle Murray is a great comedic actor from this time. Bill Murray's half brother. You'd you'd know him if you saw him. Uh, he's the he's the he's the boss in uh, Christmas Vacation. 
That's where most people know him from. Anyway, in a, in a weird little detail that I don't know why it bugged me, but it did, he's married to Julie Bowen, who was the mom on Modern Family, who at this time was 24, and Brian Doyle Murray was in his late 50s. And I, I was just like, I don't, I don't love that. That's a, that's an age difference that we just skirt past, just. because it is a weird thing that, like, I don't know. I'm, I know that those things exist, but it was just a weird thing to like. He could have been married to anybody, but you chose. Let's make this a May December thing, or at least you know May October, and it was, it was very odd to me that they were just, just did it and like, why not? Um, anyway, um, they just hey, you know what you should do. You should get your wife to come with us to Catalina. We sail into the to the uh, in, into the harbor at sunset. You make love right there on the boat. It's fantastic. We'll take two boats, one for the two of us, and one for you and your wife, and we'll go together. And he's like, "That's a great idea. I think I'm going to go ask her." Um, Which again, we have does. enough money for a getaway to Catalina. So. Right. Um, excuse me. She. Uh, he does say, Hey, let's do this. And she's like, no, who's going to watch the kids? What do you know? I, I have, we both have responsibilities. This is crazy. We can't do it. So Doug says to himself, I'll just go by myself on a two day boating excursion to Catalina, a romantic boating trip for me, which I didn't like, I thought there was a, there was a, there was a point where like he decides to, he's driving home and decides to stop at the Laker game. Like, he just stops at the Laker game, which is a thing, like, I didn't, I mean, like, like you know, the game's going on. I thought I might just go in, you know, I'll buy a ticket. Why not? Um, and it was a weird thing that he does. So, but he obviously, like, there's other things he likes. I mean, he was like, well, okay, honey, you don't want to go to Catalina with me? Fine. I'm going to go to Vegas by myself. Like, that would make more sense than going on the romantic boat trip by himself, I think. But anyway. Um, while he is gone, again, can't stress this enough, on a romantic boating trip for two, but for one. Which the um, two of them couldn't go because the responsibilities were too much so right. he has now also left his wife with all of the responsibilities no because this is the thing he's left two and three there oh that's right duh. what am i saying so so two handles all the work he doesn't have to go to work and three is there to help her with all the things around the house um i also love as they're discussing this that he's gonna go on this boat trip three is like you deserve some time to yourself like it's yeah. important yeah. <laughs> and uh so I, I think this is the point where he shows um, Andy McDowell the finer points of how to um, uh, make leftovers last longer, yeah. with how to how to wrap things in foil. And it's just it's it's so it's it's a scene you just have to watch because it's like it's it's like you've never seen Michael Keaton. It's so perfect the way he does it, uh, and her reaction to it is also so perfect. Uh, it's like, who are you? Um, but she got really mad at him for wanting to go to Catalina or whatever. And she was she's so angry at him. And that's why I'm going to go by myself, he says. And the next night, because the script tells her she has to be, she's like, 
I'm sorry, Doug. It's all my fault. Let's let's have sex, Doug. Um, and it doesn't feel like no, your your fight seemed like more important than this. But and they okay. also don't really resolve the fight that they had in the restaurant. No, no but they do wildly make out. So yeah. there is a lot of using like sex and sexual behavior as a reward, which is yeah. like such a the most '90s wife thing in oh, the so world. They yes. do laundry and they have sex when their man is like <laughs> did something yes. right. That's it. Yeah. Yes. You've been a good boy. Yeah. That's, that's what that is. Um, but three is has to has to pretend to be actual Doug. So he's going to sleep next to her, but she's decided, no, we're going to sleep together. And so he tries to resist as long as he can. But she's she's so strong. She's a strong woman. Does she work out? Um, and uh it's like I've it's never been that tender before. I've never seen you cry like that. I don't know. I was just so emotional. Um, and so that's what they do there. Um, so she says she wants to go down and get something to eat from. Well, I want chocolate milk and graham crackers, she says. So she goes down to uh, to the kitchen. Now, Doug number two, who's still uh, live up in the Mudderon suite, there's no beer, there's no nothing for him to eat or drink in the apartment up there. So he decides, it's late at night. I'm going to go down to the actual kitchen, see what I can scrounge up to eat because I'm hungry. And Doug, number, and Doug number two runs into Andy McDowell, who apparently is cannot be satiated. Like this woman, she, she's, like, she just she needs it all the time, apparently. Good on her. That's, good on her. Good for her. But uh, but she immediately like throws herself at other Doug, and he tries he tries to resist as much as you can when you wind up having sex with a, with a woman on a on a kitchen counter. Um, it's like you know, um, uh, but then they they wind up going onto the uh, uh onto the uh, onto the couch, whatever during a thunderstorm, and uh, and she's she's like, um, uh, oh, was, that was so athletic. I like that was so that was, yeah I don't, I don't know what I don't know what came over me um so then they're gonna go back up to bed and Doug two realizes that Doug three is up there and so he has to try like uh, come on up bed <laughs> to realize that you've got to get you've got to make yourself scarce so we can go up there together um and uh but he said oh oh honey this is wonderful because it's Andy McDowell's voice is just so wonderfully Andy McDowell oh honey I forgot to I forgot to shut the windows on the Volvo could you could you do it honey is everything gonna get soaked um and so there's a huge rainstorm so two goes outside to shut the windows on the Volvo but Doug number four has woken up and is very scared of thunder because he's either three years old or a dog and so he tries to find somebody to comfort him by running through the rain and into the house um, where he runs into Annie McDowell, who is so mortified and sad that she sent him out there to get all like, you know, wet and everything. And so let's get those wet clothes off of you. And because also, you know, he's a little boy. Uh, sometimes things happen with, with little boys um, and they don't, they don't mean for it to happen, but it happens. And she's like, Oh my God. Doug again? 
okay. Like, like which is a weird reaction to an erect penis. But like, if you see an erect penis and your and your immediate reaction is okay, well, all right, I, 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 I suppose. Um, so, uh, this is where Doug number three is hiding in the shower. So he sees what has happened. Doug number two, meanwhile, has been locked outside in the pouring down rain. So Doug number two, the next day, after all this has happened, wakes up with the flu. So Lance, number two, he can't go to work. So like you, and I got to go to work. The building inspector's coming. He can't come for another month. I got to go to work. Otherwise, it's not going to work. I gotta, everything's going to go to hell. Because like all these condos we're building, the building inspector's coming. I got to go to work. You are going to stay right here, mister, and you're going to get better. And uh, so Rico, number three, goes to work for him to try and answer all these building inspector questions. And before he leaves, he turns to Doug number four and goes, you take care of him, which I thought was delightful. <laughs> um, again, all of this is happening. Well, Doug number one is away on a romantic boat trip to Catalina for two, but for one. And... So while he's there, Doug number three is trying to answer all these questions about um, uh, the building specs for this these condos they're building. And he doesn't have any of these answers. Although I thought the scene was great, um, and, uh, and I thought that, that there's... The building inspector is played by I can't remember his name, but he's the guy who plays Otho in in uh, Beetlejuice, a wonderful uh, wonderful comedic actor, and he um, he keeps asking all these questions. I I did think that maybe if he does have all of the memories of original Doug, maybe he should be able to like come up with a fake answer that he knows would placate a building inspector. Yeah, presumably he's done this kind of thing before. Um. Also, you would think that maybe he would have provided the other guys, Dell and Ted, with the building specs as well. And if he doesn't know the answer off the top of his head, one of them could give the answer. But it's like, in, this, in the original specs, it called for two-inch gas lines, but these are only one inch. Why? I don't think Doug or Doug number two would be able to unilaterally change all of that without being able to tell somebody else who would have that in their notes, who could be able to tell the building inspector, this whole thing, the whole reason why spoiler alert, Doug gets fired is, uh, is kind of ab absurd because he shouldn't be the only one who's allowed to say this. Now, maybe it's because, um, because Doug three keeps dipping into another part of the construction to call Doug two and say, so he's asked me this question and, and he, then he gets that answer and it goes back, has to answer another question, that kind of a thing. And keeps doing that. Like, well, maybe he's, you know, you never know. Usually you that know. means alcohol or drugs. They right. say. Um, uh, but he also just say, so somebody tried to save a little money. I'm not saying who, uh, which is which makes Dell look bad, maybe, 
but the whole thing was that uh, this you got to find somebody else to answer these questions. I, I, I'm I'm back in three weeks. Everything gets shut down. Everything gets shut down without my say. So nothing goes forward, and I won't be back here for three weeks. So you're going to lose all this time building all these condos and lose all this money. So they fired Doug. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, then um, I, I was second here um yeah laura laura had um uh these discussions with oh yeah because she's talking to sick doug and sick yes. doug is doug number two who's not very sensitive but he's also pissed because he's sick so um it's like hey uh, honey um I rearranged everything so you could go to work today to do your, you know, again, remember, she thinks she had a crazy wild night of passion with this husband the night before. She also knows, because she was very sorry about this, that she sent him outside to, to, to roll up the windows on the Volvo. She she did that, and she feels really guilty about it in the moment. But the next day, when he's obviously sick from probably having to go out and roll up the windows on the Volvo and getting soaking wet, she's like, what do you do? Why are you sick? How dare you be sick? It's a very odd thing that they, they choose who is in the wrong whenever they want to when they write the script. And I think she could, because we've already seen her be sympathetic to him having to go outside the following day when he's put two and two together. You were sorry about it last night. Be sorry about it today that you got him sick. And also, he, he was like, you had sex with him a hundred times. So yeah. like you should, pro the first reaction is probably, oh shit, I hope I'm not going to get sick because we have right. these kids and all of these responsibilities. Right. And the yeah. next reaction is probably, okay, how do we take care of you mm -hmm. without me also then getting sick? Right. Um, Not. So I'm says, so mad at you for being sick. Yeah, I, I thought you had your big inspection. How dare you stay home with the flu? And basically, and he says, "Well, I'm sorry. I guess I missed it, honey. Whatever. Guess I got fired." And she, "What? You got fired?" And so she's and, and see, he's he's very short with her, but he's also sick, like way sicker than I am. This is like the like most justified his behavior was. Like you're yes. angry at me for being yeah. sick. I think is yeah. actually because a fair you call. got me sick for sending me outside the poor yeah. rain. I, okay, <laughs> um, but they he, they have a big fight. She's angry, so um, she says some things he shouldn't have, um, and then uh, she wants to talk it out. So she goes out to talk to him because he's messing with stuff in the garage. Well, he's not. Four is. Four is like using a hot glue gun to just make something weird in the garage. And she comes up. She doesn't see his face. She just sees him there. And so she does this whole confession about how she's feeling. And also, you always said you're going to fix up this house. And you never do anything around here and all this kind of stuff. And it makes me feel blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I just want to know, Doug, every time we have these conversations, you're, you're like you're a different person. I don't understand. What is it you want? And uh, number four says, I want pizza. Uh, I, pizza. for like a good part of this movie, was like, I need an interaction between Andy McDowell 
or the kids and or the kids and the the kids in four would have been a really great scene you figured out a way to do that it would have been so much fun but i was like somebody's got to interact with with doug four it's just begging for it and i liked this i thought it was fun that i want i want pizza i want pizza he said give me give me pizza i need you to tell me what you want so this like she at least is aware enough to realize that it's like he's been a different person, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Finally, she gets it. Yeah, after what is apparently like, months. Idiot. Um, for a really long time, like they at least let her come to the conclusion of it, um, and then the the very simple but weighted question of "Tell me what you want." as like an emotional mm-hmm. bearing our marriage is on the brink kind of thing. And yep. him just nothing that he wants pizza mm-hmm. was like, I thought that was delightful. <laughs> um, uh, and then, uh, <laughs> so then Doug shows up after his, by the way, he's had a terrible time on his trip. Turns out Doug gets very seasick out on the actual open ocean. So he's been puking this entire time. Not very romantic, even for a trip for one. Uh, so he he gets back, having had no fun of his own. Being a selfish prick, but also not being rewarded for it. So uh, he um, gets home and finds out uh, that we got fired. We, as a group, got fired. And also, well, it's about rule number one. Uh, <laughs> and... And so he finds out in turn, uh, first of all, that uh, three. And then it's like, she's so strong. When that woman wants something, she will not stop. Uh, and then two was like, yeah, so I did it, whatever. Um, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But uh, like, listen, you, you won't let me, like, I got needs. Um, and then yeah, he sits with down. my coworkers. Next, I can't have parties with strange women. Right. I got it, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he sits down next to Steve. I'm oh, sorry, she's on that next number four. Who uh looks like she touched my peppy, Steve. And and that's how he found out that four has sex has sex with her. Um, and so that's 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 terrible. This is a horrible thing that's happened. Um, but also she left you. She's gone, she took the kids, she went to her mother's there in Palm Springs. I'm so sorry, Doug. So uh so then he's like he has this trying to figure out what to do. Um and he has a, a he ends up talking to four who says she says you never you never fix stuff you always say you're gonna fix stuff you never fix stuff he's like oh okay so then he decides he and his other clones are going to remodel the entire house in a weekend and uh to help with him with this which i honestly think one of my favorite things in the entire movie is he gets Vic, he gets Eugene Levy to come back because he also he's like, he, you, get out of here, you're fired because he shows up late uh, to, a, to a job site, like two hours late. Um, he's like, get out of here, you're fired. Get, I, I want to see you again. Um, I'm finding a new concrete guy. And then that was Doug number two. So Doug number one hires him to come over and help him with, you know, fix his driveway and, um, and slay some concrete for a patio. And uh, it's like, I'm really sorry I spoke to you that way. It's unfair. I still think you're the best concrete man in, in Los Angeles. Um, so, so, so you said you had your own guy. Thank you. I appreciate that. You said you had your own guys? Yeah, here they are. And 
Eugene Levy looks over and sees a table full of Michael Keaton clones. Blinks. All right, let's get going. And he doesn't, he doesn't, nothing doesn't face him at all. He's like, sure, why not? Of course. Um, and uh, I, th I thought that was really great. Um, but uh, uh, then during the whole remodel, he has a very long heart to heart with Michael Keaton, number three. I don't remember exactly what about, but like he was able to bear his soul and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a, it is a good little scene between the two of them. I thought that was a, a really nice little moment, like give Michael Keaton three a, t a chance to like just be an honest uh, human being as well without any of the other stuff that kind of verges into that kind of character playing. But they end up finishing this whole house fully doing, doing it. And um, then he goes and uh, uh, sees the kids over at grandma's house uh, and because they're back from Palm Springs now. And he sees and he, like before you go to work, just please um, come to the come to the house. I just want to show you something. That's what she does, and it's fully done. There's like a huge pergola and a koi pond in the backyard. It's way way overblown. It's like it's too much. Impossible to have been done in the time they did. Yeah, right. But she even says like, "How did you pull it off?" And he was like. It was a miracle, which I think was like an allusion ah, to, yeah. to um, the miracle. Oh yeah, clones yeah. I, uh, some, I, some of the guys helped me out, helped out, and we did all right. So uh, then she's, you know, they, she says, "I'm actually going to start my own contracting business." I mean, how hard could it be? Um, I have all, all that experience and people uh, contacts. So he gets to go on business for himself. That's a nice little thing to happen. And that then that yeah. ruins the plot of the movie. <laughs> Right. Right. He well, said, I'm going to start my own contracting business. And I was like, why didn't you do that from the get there? Because I would say he's not, he doesn't know himself well enough to realize that he has that kind of power within him. He had to get to know all different sides of himself. This is all oh. bullshit. But like, but, but like, <laughs> I, 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 it's all bullshit. But I'd be mean, like, I think that like you could find, you could figure out a way to like, okay, if you, if you explain it, it's too, you have to read between the lines, Kate. Obviously the Doug we meet at the beginning is frazzled. He has no real self-confidence. He has to realize that deep down inside him, there are three, at least three different people, one of whom is developmentally disabled. But like, but they can all, they make up all the different sides of him. And, and when he realizes that that is within him, then he can do anything. See, there you go. I, I, I solved it. Um, no solution considered outside of cloning to the problem. No. Just going to throw it. Andy McDowell never suggests maybe you should go out on your own and I'll no. be having a second income. So it'll be, nope. No, nope. not at all. Anyway, so that solves that problem. Uh, belatedly, I will admit. And then she goes off to work and we hear this. Like, I don't know. I don't know if this 19, mid 60s convertible was in the garage the whole time, but it pulls out and uh, and number two is driving. Number three is in the passenger seat. Number four is in the back with a mountain of snacks. Um, and like, so where are you guys going to go? I don't know. We thought maybe Florida. So that they're just striking out on their own with no social security numbers, no no actual ID, nothing. Like they're just they're just vacant human beings, 
completely that they're going to leave. Um, and so they say goodbye and everything, and it's, you know, it's fine. They go, they leave, um, and uh, and everything's all right. I mean, obviously, they can't stay there. So they got to go somewhere. I guess why not Florida? And there's a weird little epilogue that is in the form of a letter written from three to Doug um, about how Which, they started. Like, you're just assuming he's going to be the guy to open it, I guess. Well, no, he's like, um, like, Hi, this is Rico, your long lost cousin. I don't know how he would actually open the whole thing, but he wouldn't say, hello, Doug, this is number three, the second clone you made of yourself. I think he probably wouldn't put in the body of the of the letter. But um, uh, so he says that they opened up a pizzeria on Miami Beach called uh, Three Guys from Nowhere Pizza. Um, and uh, Lance, number two, is the business side of it. And he uh, he gets to meet all the customers. And he's, we find him canoodling with bikinied women. Um, and, of course, Rico is, is the guy who's the chef. And number four, oh, Doug, you'd be so proud of him. He's got two jobs. He's a paper boy in the morning, and at night he delivers pizzas for us. Um, and we just see him throwing a pizza onto a lawn because he's – yeah. Tossing it like he's slinging newspapers. Because that, that's that's how he would think you would deliver pizzas. Um, and that's the end of the movie. Um, and I would think, who gave them a loan? And again, I can't stress this enough. They don't have social security cards. Maybe they, they have social security stuff. All three of them have the same social security number? That's where it gets us. I they also like have no money. No money. They have no, Yeah. This how, isn't did, good. how did they pay? I mean, how did they just, 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 I mean, again, I guess we can assume all this stuff happened, but it just loses the questions. Did Doug get them credit cards in his name? Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know how they paid for the gas to get from California to Florida. That's not a short trip. I mean, I would assume he had some financial wherewithal, at least Doug too would, because he was out and about in the world, but also why didn't he start a construction company the thing he knows and was wildly successful at um i i i guess it's because uh they drew straws and uh and rico won because he wanted I to guess be a chef so. also i don't know if i would be so blatant to call it three guys from nowhere i think that's gonna beg more questions if you had just called it like mario's feels like it's, you're it, asking for issues they 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 should have called it dugs but d-o-u-g-s then the apostrophe meaning all the dugs own it see if it dugs huh kidding Nailed you could have done that um oh there's that one moment uh where uh, they're driving away from the house and laura's at a stop site stoplight and she looks over and sees <laughs> all of them, uh, and 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 she, and she's like, you know how you're really in love, kids, because you see them in, in the face of everybody you meet. Yeah, you're also. They went out that. of their way to put that in the film. Yeah, didn't need to, didn't just mix Laura into somebody else so crazy. And it's just like you know, and um, I, I need I need the 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 implication. There's there every time you watch a movie like this, there are implications to to whatever like who else this cannot be the only person in 
like out there that Dr. Leeds is doing this to, which means in Los Angeles, like there are people people all over the place who have clones running around. Like it would have been re- they never would never would have done this. It would have complicated things for the normies. But for me, it would have been amazing if there had been a news report of clones being found elsewhere in Los Angeles that would have like made Doug be like, okay, seriously, we got to batten down the hatches because this stuff is happening all over the place. And if we get found out, that's no good for us. I don't know. But well, they uh, did say case studies, so it shouldn't be too rampant. Right. right. Cause they're but, not like, but then why does, why does he just choose the, the guy who happens to be working on his construction project? Bro. I mean, I don't know. There's got to be like test subjects who like sign up for this kind of stuff. There at least needs to be interactions with other clones. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, it. It is, it is in Michael Keaton uh, does some of the most tightrope type acting. You get like in the scenes where he plays himself, 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 and himself like the it's, it's impossible to, to say how much I respect that work as an actor, to be able to do all of that, to be able to to, to hit your mark and and have the per- there's wonderful scenes where like Doug one is saying something to Doug two and Doug three, and they both react to what he's saying in the moment. Yeah, like oh yes, absolutely, I totally like, yeah, sure, you got a boss, but they say it at the same time, and it feels like like you would if you were talking to two people and they were both responding to you in the affirmative. One wouldn't wait for the other one to say something. You'd just say, yeah, sure, got it. But the way that they do it is just so well done. Um, Even the scene of the first clone realizing that he's the clone. Yeah. um, I thought was like so brilliantly done. Like I thought that was, that was really, really good because he's, he plays both sides of that. And at that point they're like the same. And it did not feel like jump cut to jump cut. Like it felt like he was talking to, they were trying to figure out which one of, no, you're the clone. No, you're the clone was like actually really well done when he like had the revelation felt very real. Like this whole thing is built on the back of, of Michael Keaton for for whatever it's worth. Yeah. And, uh, and it's worth a lot to me. Like, I I don't know if there was another actor um, in in Hollywood at the time that, that that could have played this in the same way. You could have had like Robin Williams, but he would have been over the top. Yeah. You know, oh, like, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have been able to, to, to resist the, the, the temptation of doing it way over the top, even playing um, number four. Like, I don't feel like it ever really verges into like, no. caricature or I'm trying to play the stereotype He's Michael Keaton is honestly playing this person, um, and it's uh, it's it's really 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 well done. Um, and I think that that Harold Ramis does an amazing job making mm-hmm. all these scenes work together. There's just something I I can't specifically say what it is, but there's just something missing to the whole thing, and maybe it is that it seems to be entirely disconnected from outside like it's completely enclosed like none of none of the decisions that happen here affect anything else elsewhere um you never get the sense there's really a danger that they're ever going to get really found out that's that to me was the thing that felt not like a miss but you would expect the movie to go to 
um, someone finds out about this. Like the, right. there's got to be a revelation that this had Andy McDowell. What the, you didn't even have one of the kids like right. questioning it, and then you know well, people the kid, dismissing the it because they're just a kid. Like I'm, there should have been something with that. Pretty sure the 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 little girl has three scenes in the movie. Like she's barely even there. She's there to present another problem for Doug to deal with, as opposed to being an actual kid. I would have loved being to have seen like like like. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would have loved to have seen the thing of like she's always asking her re her father Doug to read her a story at night, and he doesn't have the time. He wants to, but he he can't. He's disconnected. He he gets a late uh, a phone call late. Like you got to make sure you're on the job site at six a.m. tomorrow, whatever. And it always kind of pulls him away, and he feels bad about it. But then she really bonds with number three, or honestly, even better. Number two, who's able to like, who, who finds himself kind of roped into having to be dad for one night and winds up like being really good at it. Like he's still gruff. He's still a macho dude, but the kids love him because he's willing to play with them a little bit. Like that would have been a really cool way of like kind of showing different sides of each person. Like, or let's say, Michael Keaton, one, is the football coach for the rest of the season, but he can't make it to one of the things. So number three has to go and coach the game that, that day. And he puts in crazy, like, trick plays that he, that he likes because of the aesthetic reasons for it. And they wind up winning the game. Like, they've never won a game before. But because coach, because number three is doing it, like, it's we wouldn't think he'd be good at it, but somehow he is good at it. Like, if you would just put some of that in there, I think it might have been like it would have given us more of like a feel good thing to kind of watch his because honestly, Doug is kind of a selfish prick. Yeah. Like he's, a, he's a good dude, but he's kind of a selfish prick. And it'd be nice to like see a lot of those qualities smoothed over in different areas by the by the clones you wouldn't think would be able to do that. I think with the kids too, you could have done something really fun of like that's not my dad. And like everybody else being like, of course, but because of like the paternal bond right. with the, like them knowing like that's not my dad, and everybody else being like, oh, crazy children, they're right. they're thinking like there could be some really 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 fun stuff. So some missed opportunities, but like I think as far as whether I get the flick out of here or keep it in, like I I think I keep it. Yeah, like no, this have, is you have to keep it if if only for Michael Keaton's stuff. Yeah, he's really you have good. To. Um, so and recognizing that at the time this technology was not something that would be assumed like this didn't feel like we talked about it in wrestling right like the gimmick determining the match instead right. of going the other way around like this didn't feel like the special effect determined the movie even though it was right. so integral to the story like this it didn't overpower it at any point it just felt right. like it was in the movie Right, I I totally agree. Um, uh, it, it's it's kind of a miracle. It's like when you watch the original Jurassic Park now, and you go, "Yeah, Jesus, that's for 1993. That's amazing special effects." Um, and for this, it doesn't even it doesn't feel like it's amazing. It just feels like it's. I don't. I didn't feel like I was watching special effects. You know what right. I mean? Right. Which yeah. which sometimes when you see like a split screen in a movie from that era, you can totally tell where the line is. Like that—that's not at all the case here. So, yeah, I definitely keep it in. 
Um, but it isn't as great as I as I remember it. But still, Michael Keaton, man, he's he's still one of my favorites. Uh, so yeah, there we go. We're both gonna keep this in. Uh, who knows what we're gonna when we're gonna do next time? Um, I don't. Well, hold on, wait a second. Uh, maybe uh, for for some time in October, we're gonna have to do um, uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, which is a thing that I sent you. <laughs> that i found which you know i don't think is a horror movie per se but i mean i feel like it's got to be pretty bad and weird so maybe we'll have to do that along the way i'm not sure um uh yeah and uh i don't know if you saw that, it, that the trailer dropped you're not gonna be able to watch it but maybe i'll set you up having to watch hocus pocus 2 and i will watch the new winnie the pooh slasher film because that looks crazy um, yeah, so yeah, we'll, we'll figure out what we'll, we'll do from here. But um, until then, please watch us over at Fightful doing our crazy things. I'm going to hopefully not be a, a, a sick bag of crap. But you uh, will be cloned into various characters. I will, I will like, be cloned sure. into somebody who is who is healthy. That's um, right. Yeah. And, and uh, oh, yeah, to the, Alex Ben Baller and to Alex Linda. We have a whole yes, cast of characters um, over there those, on Fightful. That's true. If I get cloned and like just this, all of a sudden clone number five is just Linda, that's like, right. like all all the time, and I can't stop it. That that would that would make certain people, some certain fans of ours happy. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, I guess until next week when we do, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll let you know next week whether we're going to get the flick out of here. Goodbye, everybody. R e s p e c t. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.